0: Good evening from Sheridan High School's Akshaparita Podcast. I am your host Dominic Baratini. Welcome to the last episode of the 2022-23 school year. Um, today we are joined by the U.S. Forest Service Sarah Kirill of the United States. Uh, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks.
0: Thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I just want to talk about some of the stuff that's within kind of your job and uh, the Forest Service and stuff like that. Um, and kind of the measures that you guys take um, to keep, you know, the forests, and um, we have got the Bighorn National Forest around us just to keep that safe. <clears throat> so what would you say is kind of like the goals of you guys?
1: So the the mission of the U.S. Forest Service in general is to sustain a healthy and diverse and productive forest and grasslands across the United States. The Forest Service over the whole country manages 193 million acres of forests and grasslands. And so basically we care for all the resources associated with those forests and grasslands and dating back to 1897, which was our organic act and gave us the direction on to manage timber and to manage water. But in 1960, we got the Multi-Use Sustained Yield Act, which actually expanded our mission a little bit and defined the agency as a multi-use agency, which means that we're mandated by law to manage all resources, timber, wildlife, range, water, and outdoor recreation equally. So our goal is to basically um, manage the land for the people of the United States.
0: Yeah. So what's like uh, like some job opportunities? Like what what is your description?
1: My job description, so right now I'm in an acting role. I'm the Tongue District Recreation Staff. And so I manage the recreation program for a third of the forest. Normally my role is public affairs officer, and so what I do is – communicate with the public about things the Forest Service are doing and then communicate back to the Forest Service, um, kind of the reaction that the public has about those. So that's what I do. But there is a diverse list of jobs that you can do at the Forest Service. There's anything from engineering to uh, science. We have a research branch. Uh, We also do timber management, aquatics, hydrology. and of course, we've got wildlife and those yeah. those positions as well.
0: So, like, uh, like for you, what is what is kind of like a main task uh, for like a day to day basis? Or
1: so, what I do a lot of in this position that I'm acting in is special uses, so permitting activities such as outfitter guides. Um, if you want to get married or have an activity like a recreation event, you need a special use permit, and so I do a lot of that kind okay. of management. And so just. Pushing those uh, permits through or authorizations through is part of what I do. A huge part is just supervising and providing our employees with some help and direction and supporting them. So that's one of the big things I do. In general, um, if anyone's interested in working for the Forest Service, we have a lot of seasonal positions, and those are advertised in usajobs.gov, and they're advertised in the fall. So it's kind of... Backwards like most students aren't they just finished up their summer. And they're not quite looking for work yet Yeah, but pay attention because those come out uh, September October time frame and you need to kind of be thinking ahead Get your name in at least and apply for anything even if you might not end up doing it At least your name's in there and then you can make a yeah. decision down the road when we do the hiring more in January Um but there's also permanent positions that come up throughout the year, and it's the same place, USAJobs.gov. Yeah, like
0: well, I think with the Bighorn Mountains, especially, we offer a lot of recreation, whether it's you know camping and stuff like that. So I just want to kind of go over that kind of stuff, like you know, what do you guys offer between you know, like uh, like the mountain biking trails, and um, there's a lot of horse riding, and um, every, every once in a while you see the cabins and stuff up there.
1: Yeah, so we have. A lot of recreational opportunities we're, we're really a diverse forest even though we're small we're only 1.1 million acres and I'm actually from the southern part of the state where I came from a district that was almost a million acres so kind of in, in comparison we're kind of a small forest but there's a ton of stuff that you can do so we have like 169 miles of ATV trails um, handful, wow. like 33 miles of motorcycle our horse trails are probably one of our bigger mileages, around 450 um, hiking trails. That, so these are trails are just managed for those uses, yeah. but other uses can use these too. Um, there's about 50 miles for hiking, 17 bicycle. You mentioned mountain biking, yeah. So about 17 that are just managed for those, but bicycle riders can go on hiking trails and motorized trails and the horse trails. Uh, and then we in the winter, we actually have a lot of opportunity, too, on trails. We have 350 miles of Snowmobile Trail and about 44 Nordic ski miles.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I noticed Nordic skiing is kind of getting bigger. we got um, kind of like a club sport going on here. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that's pretty exciting. I haven't tried it yet, but I think <laughs> I eventually probably will. Um, how about the fishing and hunting capabilities? Uh, I know there's like Lake Sibley, and you, know, you can go up yeah. some of the canyons and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, there's several lakes that we have that are recreational lakes. So Sibley and Meadowlark were actually built by the Civilian Conservation Corps in the 1930s for recreational purposes. And so there's uh, like a launch pad for boats at both locations. Sibley has a really nice fishing dock. But then there's also some of our other lakes, which are there for water resources for our our cities, for Buffalo, for Sheridan, Dayton, Ranchester but you can still use those as recreational activities too. So the Twin Lakes and Park Reservoir, um, getting up into, uh, I'm not thinking of the name right now, but uh, Hack, that's another really good one out of the Buffalo area. And the Game and Fish actually has this really nice interactive guide, If you can find it online, and you just search on Wyoming Interactive Fishing Guide and it tells you what species of fish is in every body of water in Wyoming? Yeah. So you can just click oh, on it, and then you'll know. And so you can zoom in on the bighorn, and you'll know um, what what you should fish for and what species. And if you're really good, you'll know what lure to use. <laughs> yeah.
0: So what, what kind of got you interested in this kind of field of work? Was it something you always thought of, or did you have different ideas in high school?
1: So I, I was one of those people that kind of wanted to work for the Forest Service early on. I grew up on a ranch in southern Wyoming, and my parents were really into the outdoors, and so we spent a lot of time not only working outdoors, but recreating. They loved to hike, and so we backpacked a lot and canoe and fish and that kind of thing. My dad's a big hunter, and so that kind of piqued my interest pretty young, and, but the big thing was when I was in high school, I got on the Wyoming, or the Youth Conservation Corps, and got a job with the Forest Service, and after that, I was like, ah, I'm gonna work here. <laughs> this yeah. is where I want to work. But I I did change my career path a bit through college, but I ended up major double majoring in biology and environmental science, and then went to grad school and had a master's in recreation management.
0: Did you attend University of Wyoming?
1: Yes. Yep. For graduate school, I went to Rocky Mountain College for undergrad.
0: Oh, nice. Staying pretty local. Yeah. Well, as the summer season's coming through, I mean, today even, I mean, we've got a lot of smoke in the air. Uh, I hear that's coming from Canada, is that right?
1: I haven't confirmed that yet, but that's what a lot of people are saying. That's what I've heard
0: a lot, but I just kind of want to go over like the main, what are our main causes of fire and, you know, a little bit of prevention, but like, what do you guys see as the main cause?
1: So in the Bighorn National Forest, fifty percent, so half of our fires are caused by humans and it's usually unattended campfires. Yeah. That and what we mean by unattended, that could some people will think, Oh, I'm just gonna leave and go on a hike for an hour or so, I can leave my fire or I'm just gonna go to sleep at night. But the wind can come up. There's actually a story that happened at Bighorn Canyon a couple summers ago where people were just in their camper eating dinner and a huge windstorm came up and their campfire was going outside their camper. It caught their camper on fire, it caused a little wildfire. Yeah. And so that's really the, one of the biggest causes. And so nationwide, um, it's actually a little higher rate, it's 60% caused by humans. And so that includes arson and that kind of thing. Nationally, we don't have that here as much, thank goodness. Yeah. But most, so the other half is lightning, um, is what the other cause. So there are natural wildfires, but as far as prevention goes, we live in a landscape that is prone to fire. Yeah. And it's, it's similar to being prepared to camp with, in bear country. You just want to be ready. And so what the Forest Service does is we do fuel projects. We do uh, timber sales and things like that to prepare or to get the landscape ready for that fire uh, that might come through in hopes that we're keeping it smaller and it's not going to be as big and cause as many problems as it could. It's a natural process, and it happens. Fire's been in forests since there's been forests, but people have changed some things over the years and, and we're just trying to get some of those ecosystems fire ready.
0: yeah um, I think this year like even though it's been a lot I like compared to la- a couple last years like mm-hmm. uh, we've got much more rain and stuff and some people are like oh, I wish it would quit raining but I think you know ultimately it's pretty good for us you know hopefully Absolutely. the fire season isn't as big. I'm sure it will be there but I just hope it's not.
1: Yeah, the there's predictive maps out there. It looks like we're going to have a warm summer, um, normal partic- uh, precipitation, so a normal fire year within that normal range. But that doesn't mean we won't have fire. And another thing that we have on the Bighorn National Forest, we have two, engine, two engines in the Tongue Ranger District, which is located in Sheridan here. And on the medicine wheel, we have another engine, and that district is located in Grable. We also have a wildland fire fuel module located in Buffalo. It's the Blacktooth module. And then a fuels crew in Grable called the Cloud Peak module. And then there's also the Wyoming Hotshots, which are based in Grable. So those are our resources that we kind of have on hand. And any one of those um, groups of people, they're highly trained, very uh, capable and skilled firefighters so any of those folks could be sent locally to do initial attack on fires also Um, but overall our crews work to uh, prepare for fire with that strategic landscape planning that i mentioned we have projects like the buffalo municipal watershed project out of buffalo and then we're working on the sheridan municipal watershed with some projects right now um, which uh, deals with mostly sheridan's watershed So, yeah, and we're hope we, you never know what the fire year is going to look like, and we're hoping for a good fire year with few to none. yeah, <laughs> but you never know. Well
0: it sounds like you guys you know come in pretty prepared rather than you know base your stuff off of hope, so that's good. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: Uh, just one thing for folks to remember when they're out recreating, as I mentioned, there's a, a huge diversity of different options you can do outside just. I recommend looking into Leave No Trace or Tread Lightly um, information because that can really help you stay a little safer while you're protecting the land that you love and, and sharing it with a lot of other people that love it also.
0: Yeah. And is there like courses that you know are on the um, National Forest Service website that people can look at?
1: There's actually courses. You can go directly to LNT.org or Tread Lightly. And those websites have links to their online courses. And you can also, if you're really interested, you could contact the Forest Service. And we do some courses. We have a wilderness course that helps you learn about Leave No Trace specific to Cloud Peak Wilderness, which is our local wilderness area. And if you want to take more than 10 people in the wilderness, there's a 12-person cap on the wilderness for entry for a group size limit. But if say you forgot to invite your other two friends, if you take the Leave No Cor- Leave no Trace awareness course from the Forest Service, you can actually add two extra people on to your group. Sweet. So that helps you just be a little bit more prepared and know what to expect, and just also reduce your impacts.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, special thanks to you. I appreciate you coming in. Um yeah. I'm glad I came up with the idea. I was kind of thinking okay. one of the for our last one. I went I. You know, going to fire season, I think this will be a good one, especially for our area. Uh, thank you all for listening uh, to the Ox Parita podcast, and we will catch you next year.